0: It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host,
1: Dan Johnson.
0: And here we go again. I'm Sorry, I'm going crazy. Most of it is because of lack of sleep. I have three kids. I have one that doesn't like to sleep at night, but sleep at the day, uh, during the day. And the other one likes to get up at 4 a.m. I'm not joking. My son is up at 4 a.m. every day. Um, I got to figure out, maybe I'm not working him out hard enough throughout the day, but uh, that has to change because my sanity depends on it. Other than that, uh, guys, <laughs> this cold front coming through the Midwest this week has gotten me very excited. Um, I thought I was going to have to go to a wedding. Lots of things changed over the last couple uh, days, and now I will not be going to that wedding. So hopefully I can get some tree stand time, uh, talk my wife into letting me go and uh, seeing if I can't get on something uh, earlier rather than later right now is when these big bucks really start to get on their feet. Um, I have a couple ideas of where I need to go and what I need to do. Um, and it's from this point on, it is a matter of executing a plan. Uh, and that's, uh, that's the goal anyway. Um, yeah. So with all that said, we're going to do a real quick commercial with Exodus, Exodus trail cameras. Um, They've been a partner from day one of the podcast. Be sure to go check out the brand new camera that they have, the Lift 2. It is badass. Uh, go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and uh, check out all the details about this new camera. And when you do decide to purchase one, enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS and you will receive $20 off your purchase that's a good way to save uh uh, some cash on uh on a badass camera and if you want to buy multiple cameras i suggest you using the discount code multiple times that's kind of i don't know if they want me to say that or not but that's what i would do (laughs) anyway today. You know, in the, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the Midwest, right? The The hotbed for whitetail hunting, you know, the Iowas, the Illinois, and uh, we even get into the Michigans and Pennsylvanias. But today's podcast with Jimmy Lubonsky, he lives in Maryland, and uh, we're going to talk today uh on this podcast today about a gigantic eight point buck that he shot earlier this year. Um and I wanted to get somebody on the show from the I guess you would call the northeast tidal region. I don't know what it's what it's called, but close to the ocean. How about that? Uh and they got whitetails over there too, and from the sounds of it, uh, Maryland could be a sleeper state, uh, As far as big bucks are concerned, they got the soil, they got the crops, uh, and they definitely got the horns to do that. So, Maryland, Jimmy Lebonski, that's what today's podcast is about. Um, If you don't know already, remember to keep an eye out for the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Not only the website, but go check out the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network On Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, Lots of information yet to come on that. But next week. that is uh, Hopefully we can get everything. uh, Put together. And launch the podcast. Next week. I'm excited for it. I hope you guys are excited for it. uh, In association with the Land and Legacy podcast. The Transition Wild podcast. That just launched yesterday. And uh, the DIY Sportsman's podcast. So. Four podcasts for the price of one, which is zero dollars and zero cents. It's free. You'll love it. Let me know how uh, how you guys like that. Give me some feedback. I'll take anything, and uh, because that makes all this, uh, you know, easier, better. I can make changes or whatever. So I'm just talking because I'm exhausted, like I always am, and I can hear my wife yell at my son to put his diaper back on in the other room. So I'm going to cut this sh- shorter than normal. Let's get into today's Hunter Profile podcast with Maryland native Jimmy Lubonsky. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Jimmy Lubonsky. How you doing today, Jimmy?
1: Doing good, doing good.
0: Well, i tell you what. After I saw the picture that you sent me, of the buck that you killed uh, earlier this year i would be happy to that is a gigantic <laughs> eight pointer and for uh, all the listeners out there uh, i will definitely be posting this picture on facebook or um, social media or on the uh, on the blog uh, where you can find this uh, where you can find the picture of this deer but uh, before we get into all that there there you kind of got a cool story the with the background of this uh the story with this deer and before we get into that uh we are going to talk a lot a little bit about where you are from and what do you do for a living cool yeah i'm from uh
1: southern maryland uh so near the Solomon island area uh calvert calvert county maryland um and i worked over in the uh right around the dc uh border um a police officer over there
0: Okay. So, Maryland, right? Um, I've talked to uh, a lot of guys. You know, they say Iowa used to be a sleeper state. Now everybody knows about Iowa. Then Indiana, right? It, uh, some people say the state of Indiana is a, a a sleeper state, another Midwestern type of state, you know, big bucks, lots of ag. And then... We have, the last time I heard, Maryland was a quote-unquote sleeper state, and yeah. a lot of people don't think of big bucks or, you know, hunting mature bucks when it comes to the East Coast, especially Maryland, which I take it you're not too far from the ocean?
1: No, um, we're actually three hours from it where I'm at. Well, two and a half from where I live. Um, okay. In a lot of places where I hunt is on the Eastern Shore. Uh, right over the bay bridge and they're you know an hour away from the ocean okay. yeah.
0: so let's talk a little bit about that area um what's the terrain like i i take it it's a good soil and that's why there that that area uh puts out decent bucks every year yeah
1: so the eastern shore is very flat um full of ag um most places switch from bean to corn every other year uh the one lease that i'm on right now has beans this year but the year before the guys were telling me there was corn um it's just full of cornfields flat and then on the timber side which typically is on the river side there's a lot of pines uh, a lot of really thick good cover and then you have um beans on the uh on the eastern side or corn
0: yeah so basically a smaller a a way smaller version of just about any other place you'll find in the midwest right that that egg right. uh, that timber kind of split um yep. is, is the farm that you hunt on have like fingers of timber that run up through these egg fields
1: yes there's actually that's a pretty nice there's a you know there's a very good system of what funnels that go from you know basically the neighboring properties which this year are corn which i think is going to end up in turn hurting us a little bit um especially during geese season they're probably going to get a lot over there but uh, there's long fingers or funnels of of timber, of real thick timber that haven't been cleared out. They're, we like to keep them really thick, and then they roll over to the corn and the beans, and then um, there's a clover field over there too.
0: Okay. Now, I, I want to get into the story of this buck, but before we, you know, before we do that, uh, you have kind of a a unique s- scenario, right? You are you're currently you yeah. tw- you're you're currently 28 years old. Um, yep. And you just started hunting last year, is that right?
1: That's right. Yep.
0: So, you know, I didn't I've I've been hunting since I was like twelve or fourteen years old, but not serious. Then about somewhere when I was twenty six, two thousand and six, is when I jumped in like headfirst into all that is bow hunting. Um did you have any type of introduction to hunting or any family members that hunted before uh you know before last year so
1: i actually have no one in my family that hunts at all um they fish my um my uh, stepfather is a pretty competitive uh bass fisher um so but other than that i have nobody in my family that hunts or does bird hunting or any kind of upland hunting or anything like that um when i first graduated the uh, police academy i got partnered up with a guy who ended up now being my best friend and he um he was a real serious hunter but actually funny thing same thing no one in his family hunted at all he uh just kind of got himself into it um he's been hunting for like 8 or 9 years and uh he would just talk to me about duck hunting and how and how much fun it was and how we should go and i ended up going um getting my license going through the course and stuff like that buying a shotgun going through that step and, and just hunting public land over there, really, really tough hunts where we had to hike, you know, two miles back in the marsh and waders to get to this little honey hole where we hunt ducks and I was just like, I fell in love with the whole thing right away um, and then he said, you know, if you like if you like this man, you ought to try bow hunting it's, it's very similar in the challenge um, Right. So, next thing I know he's like, hey, do you want to, you know, you want to get a bow I got a bow, I ended up, one of my other buddies actually ended up letting me borrow one of his bows and it was set up as a you know, completely wrong draw for me and everything, but I just got, got good with it. I think it was like a 31 inch draw and I'm going to shoot like a 28. Um, (laughs) but I just wanted to read, I just wanted to get out there. So I took a lot of time and practice learning, you know, adjustments with that 31 inch draw till till it got right. And, um, my buddy took me out one time and, and, uh, I got a climber and he set me up on the opposite side of the ridge from him. And he was like, Hey, they're going to be coming from this side. And, Sure enough, I had a doe come in probably within 12 minutes of being out there and got a really good shot on her. Um, I, I don't know what it is. He says I got a horseshoe. Um, up my butt. <laughs> the first time we went duck hunting, which a lot of guys don't see a lot of ducks over here on public land, we're throwing out decoys, and, and about nine ducks land in the spread, and we shoot all of them. Uh, so I killed nine ducks. on my. We limited out my first duck hunt. I kill a, a doe within 12 minutes in my first archery hunt, and then, you know, Second season, I shoot a Boone and Crockett buck.
0: It's you you uh, play the you play the lottery? <laughs> no, no, but
1: I've I've, I've been uh, pretty much hit the lottery last year with uh, with hunting. I feel like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with no with no family members, you know, ever trying to get you into hunting, and and um, you know, you basically had a friend. It sounds like who was already in hunting. There, there's something that happens there where you gain a little bit of interest into wanting to give hunting a try and and you started out with duck hunting it sounds like what was yep. it what was that allure of wanting to go with your buddy duck hunting that got you i guess uh to change your routine in life and and start to become a hunter
1: um well where we work it's like extremely busy really fast-paced um really high stress like packed area um the metropolitan area is is absolutely horrible for traffic it's like second worst to la um there's just a lot of people there's not a lot of land um and we went you know and we were out there in the middle of nowhere back in the swamp and uh just really enjoying everything that was around me really got me into it um i enjoyed it i enjoyed the challenge of duck hunting i say i was lucky the first time I went out there and shot ducks well the next few times I didn't even see a duck um, and then I, I went goose hunting after that and it, which I it was extremely easy um, and in terms of you put out like 300 decoys and the next thing you know you got 30 birds coming in you shoot them you're done it didn't really have that challenge for me duck hunting kind of offered that that challenge of um, you know I played sports and everything growing up and I was kind of looking for something to fill that void that was that competitive void, you know, whether it be me versus the animal or whatever it may be. But, um, it, it made me, you know, want to get out there and challenge myself. And then when I went bow hunting, the you know, the first time I stood up and drew that bow back and just standing up there, drawing, there's something so primitive about it. And it, it I was addicted to it the minute I let that arrow go.
0: Absolutely. Now, what was it about bow hunting specifically? Because a majority of people, um, when they start, to hunt an animal they use you know especially deer they use a gun first why did you right. decide to go to archery before a firearm the challenge um
1: I, I shoot guns on a regular basis um rifles in particular we don't really have a lot of rifle hunting out here in maryland there's only two counties if i'm, I'm not two or three counties in the whole place that you can do it um but the shotgun hunting is limited to one week which now i'm extremely thankful for um but right did the, this the skill that's behind archery and uh I, I just enjoyed shooting a bow in my backyard you know even with that 31 inch draw bow that wasn't set, it was like a 2003 Fred Bear it wasn't set up for me at all and I just enjoyed just shooting it in my backyard for hours at a time and um the challenge you know the, the more that I learned the more that I wanted to learn about it to me and I'm not trying to knock the gun hunter guys because you know obviously they're they're very good at what they do and you still got to be out there and you still got to know where the deer is but for me, it was just – it seemed – and I went rifle hunting in, in West Virginia, and it just – it seemed so easy to me um, in comparison to to shooting a bow. And that, like I said, it goes back to – I don't know if it's your your Native American coming out on you or what it is, but it's just so primitive, and I, and I love every second of it.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, um, I was definitely one of those guys who uh, – I think I, w- I actually bow hunted for several years before I even – uh, did any shotgun hunting, and after yeah. you bow hunt, and then you kind of get into gun hunting, for me anyway, and I can't speak for anybody else. There's, it's just not the same, right? Yeah. No. And then no, you get no. a lot of guys who they do the firearms first, they gun hunt, and then they they taste bow hunting for the first time, and you know some of them fall in love with it, and some of them are like, well, you know, I'm not as into it as <laughs> you know as I thought, but but. Okay, so this first year you got you you were using a, a bow that was not set up for you, right? Um, right. What was it with with somebody handing you a bow that number one is not set up for you? Number two, you've is that the first time you've ever shot a bow?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, he, uh, he g- so he gave me that bow um, probably two weeks before the season started, and uh, <laughs> and he was like, "Look, man, this is what you do." and uh didn't really give me any introduction and the first time i shot it i i ended up you know stacking two arrows pretty close to each other and he was like wow that was, that was pretty good um but i think that my background in law enforcement and how much i shoot probably played a a helpful hand and the, you know the release is obviously the same with the trigger pull letting it surprise you stuff like that i think that i had somewhat of a background in it um but yeah that was the first time i had even seen a bow before so it was all very very foreign
0: to me right right so not only are you uh you know you're, you're that guy who goes out and kills a big deer but you're also the guy <laughs> where archery comes natural to you so every everybody should hate your guts right now
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> the, the common theme around, among most my friends that hunt <laughs> right now
0: all right. So you you started shooting around um and then you, you went out and you shot this you know your first doe. Mm-hmm.
1: What
0: what were your expectations going into last season? Uh did you have any like hey, I I don't know what to expect. Uh I want to I want to just get out there and enjoy myself. What were your expectations?
1: My well my expectations were, you know, eventually try to kill a doe. I would have been happy with absolutely any doe. Um which is I know a lot of guys probably get into it and they're thinking, you know, horns, horns. I, w- I want to shoot a buck. I want to shoot a buck. For me, that really wasn't it to begin with. Um, I wanted meat. Um, me and my fiance, well, my wife now, actually, we just got married uh, a couple weeks ago. She she was very into the organic meat thing. And uh, actually, she grew up on the Eastern Shore and her, uh, a lot of her family hunts. Um, so she grew up eating venison. And she was like, yeah, you know, I want some venison on the table which uh, works out really good for me. So right. my expectations were just, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to put some meat on the table, get some meat in the freezer. And, um, you know, that that was pretty much it starting
0: out. Nice. So then, after that, uh, you, you end up going hunting. So you... <laughs> The most important thing is that you get the approval from the the lady, right? Yeah. Uh that like a lot of guys don't get the approval from the lady and then they go out and try mm-hmm. to spend a shit ton of time in the timber and that never works out good.
1: I have it made, my man. I I am telling you it's at, from we'll get into the shed hunting later but she is obs- like the the sheds that I found from the buck that I killed were actually on our wedding arch when we got oh, married. Um Nice. It's like a, I don't know what it is right now. It's coming in. It's like a decor thing. Everybody wants antlers all over their house, which is awesome for me. Uh, So (laughs) that's more time for (laughs) two.
0: That's right. So um, you ended up going, you know, you're going out and the first however many minutes into this hunt, a doe pops up. Mm -hmm. You know, practicing in your backyard is one thing, but drawing back on a live animal is something completely different. What was, what was going through your head when you, you know drew on your very first deer ever
1: oh i was shaking like crazy um i remember she came from the bottom of a creek bed and then uh up the side of this ridge and like this is one of the things this is the best i think i've heard you say it before the most things that i've learned in bow hunting have come from failure um and every time i fail at something in bow hunting i take a, a valuable lesson from it so on this particular time I was set up almost at you know I was like 20 feet up in the tree to 23 feet up in the tree, and what it, it ended up being eye level when she came up the hill, which is not very good. Luckily, it was in the early season. We start here in September. I had a lot of cover, um, so she came up the hill and um, turned broadside to me. And I remember that pin was just shaking from her ass <laughs> end to her shoulder, and I and I was like, just remember what you know from from work and breathe, relax, breathe, relax, you know, take a few deep breaths, and I was able to settle down and um, let the arrow go, and uh, I was just concentrating on that, that crease in the shoulder, and I actually got a, a pass through on a double lung on my first shot, which
0: was nice. Nice. So, that moment, have you ever, and we don't need to get into details about any stories, but have you mm-hmm. ever had to draw your weapon in the line of duty.
1: Yeah, uh, pretty much every day where I work. Yeah,
0: every day. So you you're in a high stress area uh, yeah. of the law enforcement field. So yeah. how did how does that compare? Because I'm sure you get some kind of training about how to control your adrenaline dump. Uh, yep. How did how did that compare to this scenario where obviously your life is not in danger uh, when you're right. bow hunting, but you know, some crackhead could pull out a Uzi and try to smoke it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it definitely should relate in the, the the training that you go through of tactical breathing and all the stuff you go through in firearms training. I'd like to say that it relates um, or that I took those lessons into it, but now I was shaking pretty hard
0: the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably would have performed better in front of a crackhead <laughs> with a gun as opposed to uh, just a, a doe. 100
1: percent 100 percent i don't think i've ever been that <laughs> before when i saw i don't i didn't really actually think that i was going to see one to be honest with you the first time and um it was one of those things where i watched her walk up from you know probably 50 yards away slowly so the adrenaline just kept building the entire time I, right. my back hurt the next day because i was shaking So, bad.
0: and that's funny i always i always say okay if a I always play around with this idea of like a, a boon and Crockett or a just a giant buck, something that you've never seen before. Would you rather mm-hmm. have it pop up and you only get 30 seconds to make a decision? Or would you rather have seen it from 500 yards away and it slowly work your way towards, you know, your tree scene? I, I don't know. I've, I've been in scenarios where I've had both of those things happen, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm still shook up th- pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, I um, I just had, so that buck that I killed, that uh, big eight, that was a quick, very, very quick encounter. Um, Last year, so I've had the quick encounter, and then last year I watched a buck that I had never seen before. I saw once on trail camera. He was a massive, massive 10 um, with split brows, and he was amazing deer. Right. I watched him in the field from about 150 yards to walk all the way up to about 45 yards, and then me telling myself you know wait this is a deer of a lifetime he's going to go on the same trail you've seen every single deer go you're you know that you've been in these woods and of course he turns up wind or downwind and wins me at 25 yards so um I was shaking a lot more during that encounter <laughs> rather than the, the quick one that I had with with this buck I,
0: I love I love how you said this is a deer of a lifetime and you've only been hunting <laughs> one year <laughs>
1: yeah yeah that goes from just watching all the shows man just seeing seeing all those guys guys kill and i was comparing them to that but yeah you're right deer of a lifetime in the first uh, probably the first hundred times i've hunted
0: (laughs) that's right um all right so the last year after you shot that doe what was the rest of your season like sounds Um, like you had an encounter with a a pretty good buck
1: yeah so um i hunt probably i'm I'm very very fortunate i hunt around i think it ended up being this year like nine properties last year was four um and th- i wanted to get i wanted i had a goal in my mind that i wanted three does in the freezer before i even considered going after a buck which is i, I don't know where i picked this up from I, I think it would probably just be from you know getting addicted to bow hunting and then listening to your shows and hearing the maturity the maturity thing and um realizing that that was such a challenge because probably around the fourth time that I hunted, I saw a eight point, which didn't really look big to me. Um, but you know, as a guy for their first season, I'm sure that that pressure of not, not really pressure, but just like angst of, I want a buck. I want horns. I want to, I want to shoot something with horns. Um, I saw several bucks before that and I, and I passed on them, um, which I'm, I'm very glad I did, but I don't know where I picked that up from so early, but, but I'm glad I did. So I, I didn't shoot a buck yet. Um, and then the rut was starting to come in, and I had never experienced that before. I watched, you know, bucks chasing stuff around. And um, we had one buck on camera that kind of had a little bit of a funky rack that I was after because um, he looked like an older buck. He was real big and fat. I mean, he looked like a cow, but uh, he was had a real bad uh, left-hand side. And I was like, okay, that's going to be my target buck, that. And then the other buck that I sent you a picture of, that, that thing is a hog. Um, I was hoping that, that would that buck would come around. But other than that, it was just, you know, sticking
0: to does and just really enjoying being out there nice so man you almost are describing what i like what i went through it's funny because when i seriously got into it into bow hunting right i when because i've been hunting for a while i never really harvested any deer it was you know hunting when i was young was something to do if i if there wasn't anything else to do then (laughs) you know i i cannonball into it in uh, 2006 and I did the same thing that you kind of described, passing all these um, little, little bucks and kind of concentrating on shooting does uh, or mature bucks right out of the gate and right. for some reason a conversation I had with a farmer sticks in my head um, I was uh, I had my very first trail camera ever and it was the one, it was the kind of cameras that uh, you put actual film in and then I think so, you could only get like 25 to 35 pictures per roll. So, wow, yeah. So, I would put that camera out, and hell, it could have been pictures of, and this is actually what, what happened most of the time is like 20, 24 pictures of wind, and then one picture of a deer, right? So, so I remember getting a buck on camera and I showed it to the farmer. I said, Hey, I'm going to try to kill this buck. And he looks at me and goes, why do you want to kill that buck? That's a young, <laughs> that's a, that's a young deer. And I go, well, what do you mean? And then, so th- I had a, this conversation with this farmer about that. It was right then and there where I learned that if you give a deer more years to live, his antlers will grow, grow bigger. And it was right then and there that I made the decision that I only I kind of want to hunt mature deer uh, from an age class perspective because with maturity you get bigger antlers. Um and right. now antlers today aren't necessarily as important, but is that so, I mean, is that some of the same thought process that you went through when making that determination that hey, I I'm not really interested in young small bucks?
1: Right. So that so the first time that I went hunting and uh I hope my buddy ends up listening to this. Um, the first time that I went hunting, there was three of us that went hunting. And uh, my one buddy shot a spike. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, and, and it's a joke to this day. We call him the spike slayer. But um, to to this day, I always say, like, man, that's my one buddy. Why did he shoot that, that baby deer, man? That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, isn't that, isn't that buck going to get any bigger? And he was like, yeah, it's definitely going to get bigger. I don't know. He's an idiot. <laughs> and uh and he was just you could see on the walk back he just had his head down like man i didn't i didn't know it was i didn't know it was a spike but secretly i i know it was a spike but um yeah. I, I i there's something about it where i was like from that point on i was like man you know a, a more a, a more mature deer an older deer is something to be proud of for one and then as i hunted i saw I'm seeing these same size deer come in every single time. You know, some of the same exact deer. And at the time, I didn't know they were two and a half, three and a half years old. But you see them walking in every single time. And I started to think to myself, this is pretty easy to, to kill these these small young bucks every single time. Um, maybe I'm missing out on something here, but what should be the, the goal? And that's what kind of led me to listening to your podcast and um, all the extremely available awesome information that's that's one thing I'm spoiled in man is the amount of information that's available now online you know experiences techniques um, tactics everything that's something that I feel like if I would have started 12-15 years ago I would have had to learn one on my own and wouldn't have a great idea about it because I didn't really have anybody to go to to talk to about hey dad should I be is this the kind of deer I should be after or so on and so on but now it's you got so many guys like yourself um, that just, you know, spread that that knowledge of mature deer. And that was the thing that stuck with me is age class. You know, how do I tell how old this buck is? That was kind of back into the challenge. I was like, man, it's really hard. I don't see this deer. This deer only comes at night on my trail camera. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey. You're, you're severely distorted right now oh really? yeah
1: Dang. is it better now?
0: yeah it's a little it's a little bit better now. Um, did you move around or something?
1: no nope
0: okay
1: all right in the same I don't know what that was
0: okay I'm not sure either um, so 25 what were we talking about one minute ago? Um, so um, basically I have one minute of bad bad tape.
1: You had the farmer tell
0: you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, At the
1: young, or why do you want to shoot that buck?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and you got into it a little bit. Um, let's see here. So you were g- gaining a whole bunch of uh, knowledge from, uh, you know, reading into the blog, you know, reading into the blogs, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of information online that you felt maybe. Helped you more than let's say like eleven years ago, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So then, as as last year progressed, and you, you know, did, did you accomplish your goal of killing three does last year? Yes,
1: I accomplished it. Actually, within the first, it was actually I think I wanted to say it was before October, so probably in the first like eight times that I oned I killed, ended up killing three does.
0: Okay all right so then you you laid down does fairly simple and obviously you're probably in a in a unique scenario out there um and i don't know if it's because you had family um were you hunting on public ground or private ground so we actually
1: i mean where i grew up there's only one public ground anywhere and it's so heavily hunted um that one time we went in there to hunt ducks and it was just I I was looking up in the trees and it was crazy there was like three different guys within an acre of me um there's no public land where I'm at um and the ones that are here are extremely over hunted and they're very small within like 100 to 150 acres um so I was really lucky when I had a buddy who purchased uh 44 acres over on the eastern shore in a very very prime location um and be offered he say hey, you can, can you come out and help me do some work out here on the uh on the farm or on the ranch and um i'll uh it's not really a ranch we just call it that but uh can you help me do some work out here on the property and uh you know you can hunt whenever you want and it's it's actually backs up to a pretty well-known um outfitter and uh who's got a lot of ag and then on our side we got a whole bunch of cover and then um what i did was i got on um this app that shows, you know, property lines and who owns the property within certain areas, um, and near, near, kind of near where I work that aren't really hunted. There's, you know, 50 acres, 60 acres here, 30 acres there, uh, that aren't hunted. And, and what I found out is a lot of people that own houses around these areas own a big chunk of that timber. Um, and nobody really hunts it. So what I started to do then was, I went and just knocked on doors, uh, talked to as many people as I can, just try to put out as many seeds as I could.
0: Right, right. So I take it that you were successful in that approach, knocking on doors and gaining access to property.
1: Yeah, but, um, I was really surprised at how how uh, receptive people were to actually just, you know, it, it's different to send a letter or make a call. I feel like going up and the the most success because I've done the send a letter, make a call thing because. A lot of the land down here is being developed unfortunately it's 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 under contract or it's owned by these big land developers or contractors um so they don't want to they're not going to give you permission a lot of the guys that i've talked to and called they say hey man this is a this is a million dollar company but i'm not i'm not signing a permission slip to have you hunt and then have you fall out of a tree and sue me and even when you offer a non you know non-liability disclaimer they they still say no so that's kind of out of the question for me it was Going and knocking on the doors and meeting face to face with these people, a lot of them just want to see who you are
0: you know you right. get a
1: chance to explain to them what you're about. I've had so much more success with that.
0: All right now here's the question. Do you have a cruiser? Yes, uh, did you drive your cruiser to go knock on doors? No, no, okay no okay. I did not okay
1: however however, I was in uniform oh okay
0: you that's almost <laughs> like cheating, man.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> who's gonna tell yeah. a cop no
1: <laughs> a lot of them did a lot of them, okay. them did though
0: <laughs> okay all right well that's cool though i mean you know if i owned property obviously no one would get to hunt it but if i had a cop show up and you know in uniform and be like hey I'm, my name's so and so i would actually consider it a lot more than if it was just some average Joe, right? I mean, police officers right. protect and serve, whatever. So if you're going to have anybody on your property, it might be a, it might as well be a police officer.
1: Right. Yeah. No. It's it's, it's helped out a lot, um, and uh, you know you got to tell them up front, like I'm I'm not offering to um, you know watch over your property extra and any kind of benefits for my service because you know you'd obviously get fired for that. Um, yeah. But I do think a lot of them do feel a little bit safer when, um, if I do park the cruiser there when I'm going to hunt, um, cause occasionally I will do that if it's in the county that I hunt, uh, cause we're not allowed to bring our cruiser out of the county. I only have about three or four places that I hunt where I work, um, because it's, it's actually such a, it's, it's literally like a city and, um, in between, those uh rows of townhouses or apartments and stuff there are like 30 acre 40 acre patches and i have permission to hunt two or three of those
0: right right so you, you gained access to this uh to these properties and right. you know that's something that a lot of people have to learn how to do just like shooting a bow is you know i know a lot of people who are great hunters but they can't communicate. I mean, they don't know how to have a conversation with anybody. And yep. that's one thing that I'm not saying I'm a great hunter, but I tell you what I'm good at, and that's talking to people. So I I'm, <laughs> I'm, I can go up to a, a farmer and I can relate to them on different levels and, you know, allow myself, you know, introduce myself and allow them to know who I am, what I'm about. You know, hey, if there's a, a hole in the fence, I, I'll fix it. I don't need to, you know call them. I just take care of business. You know, they know that nothing's going to happen on their property. Um, And I think that's, that's part of hunting that a lot of people like a lot of people overlook, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of people say, Oh man, I don't have any property to hunt. All I have is two, three acres or 20 acres or whatever. Then I have to hunt public ground. Well, if you get better at knocking on doors and communication with people, you're going to be able to Uh, open up more doors for you you for for your hunting
1: absolutely absolutely i okay um, go ahead i uh i read there's a there's a book um tactics for hunting mature whitetails i'm pretty i think that's the name of the title and there's a section in that book and it's literally on gaining permission um and one of the things i took from that and it's an older book one of the things I took from that is, you know, being personable, like you were saying, relating to people, you know, being a human being, going up and knocking on the door, whether you see whatever sports team flag is in the in the front yard. Hey, do you watch the game on Sunday or so and so? Just you know, being a being a human being, and that's what they want to see. And like you said, fixing stuff around there, offering them venison, whatever, whatever it may be,
0: it, it goes a <laughs> long way with people. I don't know. I'm laughing because I. I had a conversation with a guy when I first moved up to where I lived. I drove out in the country, and that day I was wearing an Iowa wrestling shirt. So (laughs) I I drive by this this farmhouse, and I see a guy, and in his front yard is an Iowa wrestling flag. And I see him out in his his (laughs) barn. Well, this is where it gets good. We go up, and I back then I was really into wrestling. I knew a, a lot of the wrestlers who were wrestling, and, and you know the the track that the Iowa wrestling team was on, and all that stuff. And I had a conversation with a guy, and I'm la- it lasted probably forty five minutes to an hour, and uh, I'm just like, "Hey man, you own this property? Do you mind if I hunt it?" And he's like, "Nope, I hunt." <laughs> so you know, it's like. I I I I kind of wasted 45 minutes of my my day that hour of my day just BSing with this guy but uh yep. but you know it's you'll get that sometimes.
1: Oh yeah. No, I've I've definitely been there done the 30 minutes going in, sat down, had somebody make me their uh world famous uh chocolate chip cookies they only make their grandchildren, uh sit down at the table, start talking and 35 minutes into listening to rambling, um, you know, I popped the question. Hey, ma'am, do you mind if um, you know, I take a few does back here for meat? Um, oh no, honey, uh, we're not we're not really into the hunting thing. We like watching the deer eat the flowers. Okay,
0: so. <laughs> we, we, wa- <laughs> we like watching the deer uh, eat our landscaping. Yep, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so, okay, so then the rest of the rest of last season, right? You, you got your yep. you got your does. Mm-hmm. What uh, did you have any encounters with any bucks that you felt deserved an arrow
1: i uh i had an encounter with with one buck in particular that we have on this 44 acres over on the eastern shore and me and my buddy had been running trail cameras since around september and we had one buck that kept just kept coming kept showing up um he was a nice wide eight point um at the time we figured he was probably three and a half years old but it was something that i thought i would have been really proud of at the time um me and him came to the conclusion that hey, we're not going to kill this deer. We're going to let it grow and uh, see, what, uh, see what it turns into next year. Um, and then I had an encounter with what was probably 140 inch, uh, three and a 140-inch three-and-a-half-year-old with my buddy who uh, took me hunting, and I actually videotaped it on my phone. I got a recording of the buck walking under me, and I sent it to him. And I was like, yeah, man, let him go one more season. He's going to be a hammer next year. And he calls me when I get out of the stand. He's like, "A hammer, what the hell are you doing, buddy? You've never shot a buck before, and you're over here letting them pass like you're on the Outdoor Network or something. Like you need (laughs) to (laughs) put." And uh, I just said, "Yeah, man, but I, you know, I've seen I've seen those bucks that size several times this year. Just I don't think it would mean as much to me as it should. You know, next year there's a potential of of having a, a real." a real 160 inch plus deer on this farm. And he's like, I don't know why you're talking like this. You haven't killed a buck yet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: He's, he's getting frustrated because, because it sounds like your goal and his goal were on different planes.
1: They were, they were. And and that's a lot of my, a lot of my friends that I hunt with, which I, I don't think they're really into the podcast, the blogs, the, the, the time that I, it's it's an obsession really I can't really say it's anything else but yeah. you know when I'm in my cruiser at work I, I literally I'm listening to your podcast I'm, I'm able to, I'm lucky in that term that I can listen to 10 podcasts a day at work on my car and my radio or watch YouTube videos of you know whoever it may be watching what they're going through and to me that kind of struck me as that that's a challenge that's what I want you know right. and a lot of guys are really into that over here that I know right. of at
0: least Okay, so so what we have here is you passing you passing smaller deer to get to bigger deer, right? You you want that next age class, you want that next bump up for antler size. Yeah. But when guys when guys start doing that, they know that there are other deer on that next level around to try to get to, right? You don't pass a 3-year-old. You don't pass any 3-year-olds if there's no 4-year-olds So was there, was there something out there that you either caught on trail camera or saw from your tree stand last year that made you, I guess it was more of a confirmation that it, that passing these deer were going to get you that next level?
1: No, actually there wasn't. Um, not at the time, at the time there wasn't, um, during the rut, I had one, one really well, actually, it was before the rut. It was when you know I'm with you on the lull thing. I, it, I cringe every time I say it, but it's during what people call the lull at right at like I, probably 30 minutes before legal shooting time on October 28th. Um, an absolute bees showed up on this little pond that we dug, and uh, but before that, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know of anything that was in that 160 plus range or four and a half or older range. I, I didn't know of them, but I knew. If I killed this three and a half year old next year, I definitely wouldn't have a four and a half year old to go
0: after. Right. So you were okay with not shooting a buck because you knew that if you passed some of these these younger deer, that there was going to be a bigger deer the following year.
1: <laughs> yep. And I and I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was easy. Um, there were yeah. several times that we draw on three and a half year old bucks, and I and I just had to talk myself out of it, like. You want to shoot a big deer, you can't kill all the three-and-a-half-year-olds this year. And uh, I just kept going back to that. And that's, that's one of the other things that I – getting into it late, you know, at this age in life where the information and the pictures and the video of all these mature deer really played a part in it. Because if, you know, 10 years ago I'd have seen that deer, I probably would have said, that's a stud. He's going on my wall. Not knowing that this is these are the kind of deer this is the potential that you have if this is what your two and a half three and a half year old deer look like you know they're they're gonna get bigger man
0: right absolutely so that's uh that's that's unique and that's a that's a unique perspective because of the education you gave yourself on deer hunting um, it kind of formed you into it helped form the, the, I guess the, your goal of what kind of caliber of deer you wanted to harvest. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I did shoot a buck last year though. I will okay. say that I, I did shoot a buck. It was a small buck. I didn't want to shoot him. He was dragging his back leg. He had been hit by a car. Um, he was dragging his back leg kind of back near that, that pond area that I was speaking of. And, uh, I knew I had to, I had to put an arrow at him cause it, it was, it was looking bad.
0: Okay. So that really doesn't count. I mean, you you did you did the right thing though. You know, that yeah. doesn't count like you didn't go away from your goal to kill this buck because you were, you know, you got that that bloodthirstiness that some people get. You right. saw a wounded animal and you're like, "Hey, I got to put it out of its misery or it's going to get eaten alive by whatever."
1: Yeah, that's that's the only the only buck that I that I shot last year and um and I had a lot a lot of more mature or bigger deer than that one come in um that was just like you said I just I had to put him out of his misery but um there was one one or two other encounters with with pretty big deer but other than that um you know mostly three and a half year old bucks that I I let walk
0: right right okay now the buck you shot this year did you see him at all last year
1: yep I saw him saw him one time last year and um didn't have any trail camera pictures of him um nothing nothing in the gene pool that even looked like that buck um he looked like i told i called my buddy afterwards and i said dude i'm still shaking telling you the story this buck was at 60 yards hot on a doe nose to the ground just thrashing and uh i saw he was facing away from me but i it looked like his g2s just kept going I mean, he was huge, but never had him on trail camera. Uh, never, never saw him again. It was just one time and it was on November ninth.
0: Yeah. So the, the buck, this buck, then from a, from an, a size perspective of antler growth, mm-hmm. did he, was he looking about the same size as he was last year to this year or did he put on some inches? So that's,
1: that's where it gets a little bit, um, a little bit weird I I think I told you the story about the sheds um do you want me to go into that or talk yeah talk talk
0: about the sheds because that obviously happened so you saw him on November 9th and then you found his sheds
1: yeah so I, I found him on November 9th and um I didn't really know what shed hunting was um just listening to you guys talk about shed hunting man I got fired up for it I was like oh this is pretty cool and then I saw my my uh wife bought a fake shed from um this is kind of embarrassing, bought a fake shed from home goods and uh put it in the house. What is this doing in the house? She's like, Ah, oh, it's decor. I was like, This is what you want? I got you, babe. I'll be I'll be out there every day looking for you. <laughs> but um so I was walking through the woods, um, shed hunting, got really into it. And, um, I had about 45 minutes before I had to be to roll call for work. And I just found, I walked upon it and it was at the bottom of a creek bed and it was just the most massive shed I had ever seen to this point. Um, I called my buddy right away and I was like, dude, I I got a monster. I got a monster shed and I know where he's, this has got to be where he lives. This has got to be where he winters. And I'm sure he's where he's in, in, in the early season. Um, so I found a shed. Um, I had to go to work so I didn't have time to really sit around and look for the second one, which killed me. It was almost like a sleepless night like guys talk about when they when get that arrow and they, they let it sit and uh, have to go back the next day for to track them. Um, the next day I was up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning, which I, don't, I do not wake up early. I hate waking up early. I was there at 6 o'clock in the morning looking around and um, I found it actually about 30 yards from where I found the first shed put them together got a measurement on them and um it was about we got it 187 inches um 187 and i think a third and is what okay, uh, so
0: was that without that was 187 that was with an inside a guess inside spread right it was a guest inside spread okay all right so 187 inch is this an eight pointer
1: no he was the 10 last year actually his uh his right side now that has that little flyer off the the back of the G2, it's a pretty – I'm sorry, it's his left side. His left side that has that flyer off the back of his G2, it's a pretty thick uh, G2. Yeah. Last year was, it was a split time, really big split time. And then the right side had a um, – I'm sorry, the left side had a full – an extra uh, – he had a G3. So okay. he was a 10-point last year. But he the was, crab he's... claw stayed the same.
0: Okay. So, are you positive just from yeah. looking at the the characteristics of the antler that this is the same deer?
1: I'm at first no. At first I wasn't I wasn't positive at all. And um I had several people tell me that's not that's not the same deer. There's no way that's the same deer. If he went from this age to that age, there's no way and you got all these uh all these guys who, who obviously think they know more than they actually do. Telling me, no way, not that deer, um, but you got a good. De-. So, so when I found those sheds, I knew it was the the deer that I had seen on November ninth, without a doubt, I knew it was him, which okay. was pretty weird, um, because it's a pretty small plot, a pretty small acreage, uh, little spot right there, and the fact that I only saw him one time and didn't have him on trail camera was pretty weird. Right.
0: Okay. So finding these sheds of this you know damn near 190 class buck yeah i mean as a as what you you felt was a 3 year old
1: at the time i thought he was but now i'm i'm thinking he was definitely a 4 year old last year okay
0: so a 190 definitely. class 190 class 4 year old man that's gigantic um yeah and then so then you you, you feel that you harvested him as a 5 year old I,
1: I'm pretty sure he was five, but because of how dry the summer was, I think that it took away from, you know, judging from what guys are saying around the area, um, a lot of their deer didn't really have a big jump this year. Um, in fact, a lot of them lost growth from three to four. Right. So
0: nutrition can definitely play a part in that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, really dry here this summer. Um, and we didn't have rain for almost like 15 days here coming into the, the early season of bow hunting, which. Which really made the the deer act kind of weird, um but yeah, I thought he and we we sent his jaw out, so we're gonna know, um I don't obviously have a lot of history with this buck, so there's no way I can definitively tell you that he was uh he was five and a half, but this is just this is off of our best knowledge that we right. think he's five and a half,
0: okay, so you got fired up because not only did you see this deer from the stand, but you found his shed, so you're knowing that his core area is somewhat in an area where you can kill him, now. Yeah. And I was, I was pumped. So from, from said shed season to the hunting season this year, right. That's uh, you know, mm-hmm. se- seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. What did you do to try to become a better bow hunter?
1: Um.
0: So the first
1: thing I did was I only had permission for 12 acres on that uh, 30 acre parcel right there. I only had permission of, to hunt twelve acres. So, the next two months, what I did was I went around and knocked on every surrounding door to that area to get as much possible land as I could
0: within I like that it. parcel. I like and, it.
1: <laughs> and I got I got a lot. I got a lot of yeses. It was the most yeses I've ever gotten in my whole life. Um, and I think it was like five out of nine people said yes. So I ended up with uh, I ended up with like nineteen or twenty one acres. Of, of this 32 acres, um, which I thought was in, in one of the areas was where I found his sheds. Uh, and then what I did was I went back to every single episode, you know, from your your podcast and uh, the other podcast and, and went down and looked at everything that shed, said shed hunting. Every, every single episode said something about shed hunting to learn absolutely as much as I could about what the sh- finding those sheds meant, what you guys learned from those sheds. And um, from that point, I I learned, you know, this is probably where he lives. This is his core area. This is a mature buck. He's probably not going to do a whole lot of moving from this core area within the, you know, before or after the rut. Um, So then I, you know, did a little bit of scouting in the woods. Um, Not too much to try to kick him out because the interesting part about where I'm at is there's that 32-acre parcel, and then there's small funnels that go in between the rows of townhouses, and then you got 20 acres here, 12 acres here, 14 acres here, 15 acres here. And you know, they do gotta travel through the roadways and backyard and stuff like that. But, you know, if you do enough to to mess with that buck's area, he's gonna move. And right. uh then I wouldn't have a you know, a shot at him. So from that point I knew, you know, this is another thing I learned from you guys. Determine what your what's your what's your windage, you know, what, what is your normal wind here? Um, which that was a whole learning curve for me. I, I didn't even know that, you know, that was a primary wind was a thing. Um so from that point, I was like, okay, this is where the primary wind's going to be blowing in my favor. Uh, let's try to find something over here that would be something to hunt over, whether it be a white oak. That that was another thing, acorns. I I thought uh, the October lull was just the October lull. Deer stopped moving during the October lull. Well, I think a lot of it's to do with you do summer scouting based on ag or whatever kind of food plot you're doing. Well, it doesn't account for when the acorns start falling and those bucks get lazy and they don't want to move. So they bed up 20 yards from the acorns. That's probably why you're not seeing them. Um, So I went and found acorns um, in a, in a Creek bed and try to find a scrape line and stuff like that. It was was mostly scouting from that point.
0: Gotcha. All right. So then did you have any trail cameras hung this summer um, to kind of identify new deer or old deer, uh, when, did you get any trail camera pictures of this buck between? Yep. Oh, you did. Okay. So talk to yeah. us about that.
1: Yeah. So I, I set up a um, little mineral site, um, and I did a, a, you know, a mineral rock back there, some salt licks and, uh, we're allowed to bait here in Maryland. So I, I threw out some corn, um, to get them on camera and, uh, went off of what I thought was the most North end of the property. Um, because from listening to what you and your guests have said you know deer tend to move toward that north side in the hotter the hotter days because it's much cooler and there's much more foliage over there um so from that north end I was which plays well in my wind for that favor um, north facing
0: slopes is what you're talking about yeah yeah
1: the yes the north facing slopes and, and it's set up almost perfectly on everything really worked out it, it's it's there's a lot of skill and stuff that went into this but there was also a lot of things that just worked out in my favor um, like where the acorns were located and now was just favorable to my wind and um, yeah, all that stuff so I set up the, the mineral plots and, and put out some corn and sure enough on July 25th uh, an absolute toad is, is on camera and I'm freaking out you know calling my wife like I, I got the, the one from the shed babe this has got to be him I got, got him on camera I'm calling my buddies and, and they were like no that's not the same deer no way man it, that was a 10 point last year this is an 8 point no way that's the same deer
0: but yeah, right. starting
1: on July 25th, I had him on camera every single day.
0: Every single day?
1: Every single day that deer seemed to show up on camera at 6, from between 6.15 to 6.40. And then weirdly, once in the afternoon, like 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock, I like was like eating lunch. And then um, again in the evening, right before last light. I mean, okay. I had of two months of three times a day.
0: All right. So that was uh, over a, a corn pile or a bait pile, right?
1: Yeah, in the mineral site that I, that I'm in. Mineral, mineral down. site.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. So, with all that knowledge leading up to the the actual hunting season, were you getting consistent pictures of him every day, like yep. until the day you shot him?
1: No. So that that was where it got weird. Um, I I had really really consistent pictures of him every single day, and um, I was I was getting a little bit cocky. I was telling my buddies like um. I I heard a guest on one of your shows say there's a 90% chance I'm going to kill this deer. And uh I was kind of quoting that. I was like the 90% chance I kill this deer if I, if I if I get him before the rut, it's a done deal. And they're like, "All right, man, well, you know, just, you know, deer are weird, man. They change." So, I had him every day and then I get these really awesome pictures of him shedding his velvet on camera on uh, August 31st. I'll send those to you. I got him shedding his velvet and then he was a ghost for 10 days. He was an absolute wow. ghost.
0: So what did you think when that happened? When he started to disappear, were you like, shit, he changed he changed his area?
1: One, I thought he changed his area, two, I thought he got hit by a car. So I drove I, I spent so much time driving around that area looking for roadkill and checking all the police reports in the area to make sure was you're <laughs> hit by a car in that oh, area.
0: That's funny. That's funny.
1: And and then I started to to, I just I didn't know the acorn game too well man like it wasn't and I think this year is, is insane how many it maybe it's more noticeable because of how just the white oaks here just blew up I mean there's right. so much mass on the ground and um I found out where the acorns were and it just happened to be pretty close and I was like man this is well we'll get into that in a second because that's actually how I killed him based off not off based off of trail cameras but so he was gone for for 10 days and then the season started and I I hung a stand, um, you know, off of the trail that I thought they were coming in to hit the minerals and the water source and the corn. And the first day that I hunted on opening day, I saw every single buck that I had on camera from four-and-a-half-year-old to four-and-a-half-year-olds down. Um, Every single buck that I had on camera came in that first night except him. And uh, I pulled the card that day, and that was the first time I checked it since he shed his velvet. It was uh, seven days apart, and he was nowhere to be found not not anywhere on that camera. So, I, yes, I started to panic.
0: Okay, so uh, knowing that you know the, the 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 rut is not is not even close because it's in September. Um, you guys are, or you start to panic a little bit because you think something happened, or this deer moved, or he got hit by a car, whatever, whatever. What happened next? You know, was it kind of just a a lucky spot? I mean, what did you start to think when, okay, from a strategy standpoint, what do I have to do now to try to find this buck?
1: So I, like I said, I started to panic and I called this guy that I know um, who is another uh, officer on the department who is, he's just kills hammer bucks. Um, And I was like, hey, bud, I'm having a bit of an issue here. What do you think? And he was like, well, you either have been creating way too much pressure in there hunting, because I had hunted four days of the first, like, nine days. Um, But he said he should still be showing up at night. That's a little bit weird. Um, Have you checked for the acorns? And I'm like, oh, God, the acorns. Yeah, of course. Um, So I go, and this this spot sets up really nice for the wind because I can get in and the winds, it's not going to be a factor when I'm going in and checking cameras and stuff like that, which... I know a lot, you know, that's just, it happened to work out for me. Um, so I go down about, I don't know, maybe a a thousand yards from where I had this mineral site and been seeing them every single day. And, um, I see just these massive hoof prints in on this main trail real deep in the ground. And we had just gotten rain and I look up and, and there's acorns falling right on the corner of what this open field would be. And there's no ag there or anything like that. It's just, it's just grass. Um, and it's on the north facing slope. Um, so I went in and I was, I called my buddy and I was like, you know what, man, I'm, I don't have any trail cameras over here. I'm going to give this spot a try and you know, what the hell, what's the worst that can happen? So not having a stand hung or anything like that, I, I used the climber. Um, I climbed up on the edge of the, the field and, um, where I'd seen the hoof prints and where I had, you know, permission to hunt in that little area. Cause the area a little bit to the west of that, I didn't have permission, and I was kind of scared that was where he was. That was where he was going, and starting to second guess. Like, you know, did you do too much? Were you pressuring him too much? Did you do, hunt too much? And um, I got, you know, it was that's that's when it all came together. Sure enough, at 6:45 that afternoon, that's when it came together.
0: So you you went scouting for some acorns, found them in that mm-hmm. area uh yep. and it this is in that same 30ish acres that you've yep. that he had been living the entire time
1: yeah it's a, so the core area actually I don't have permission to hunt the the main the, it's really funny the main circle I don't have permission to hunt and it's honestly probably the best case scenario because then I just I can't go in there there's no right. point in checking you can't check trail cameras so you leave that spot as a sanctuary for for bedding which now is a lesson that I've learned um <laughs> right. uh, that that great and uh i was forced to
0: hunt the edges which
1: is p- what you should be doing anyways right but um
0: yeah so, so you, I, you you located these acorns uh big print and it was almost like a no-brainer hey i gotta get in here
1: yeah yep and i and i saw some uh some uh some poop on the ground and it had you know big chunks of acorns in it next to the hoof prints and i was like man that's him it's got to be him he's eating acorns and right. uh, that's when i said
0: okay so you you hung this tree stand kind of was it a run and gun? Did you take take the stand in and hunt it that night?
1: Yeah, so I, it was it's a climbing stand actually, um, okay. which I don't I kind of went away from those this year. Uh, last year I did a lot of climber hunting because I kind of got into the game late. I got into these permission spots late, and um, I, I I don't know what it is about a lock on being being hanging a lock on and having the availability of just being like, oh, I'm running 30 minutes late. Let me just climb up in my lock on. I think that was a trap that I fell into really hard right away. And run and gun is not a term that a lot of guys use over here. It's not a it's not really a thing. Um so that was something that I took directly from you guys that just played out so well in my part that I won't do anything but the run and gun now. Just keeping them guessing, moving around. That's that's the key. So I went in there with the climber, uh climbed into a tree that I had never scouted, never seen before. And, uh, it was just based right off of that trail where I'd seen the hoof
0: prints. Okay. So you get in the stand. Was it that first night you ended up uh, having the encounter with him? <laughs> yep.
1: It was the first night. Um, my, my wife, it was a week? It was a week to the day of our wedding. Um, she wanted me to go all the way up to Northern Baltimore to pick up these damn centerpieces. Uh, these like middle cut pieces of wood for the centerpieces on our table which uh, she's going to listen to this, I'm sure. They turned out beautiful. But uh, I had to go up there, and <laughs> I was getting in the stand a lot later than I had wanted to get in the stand. Um, and it's the first time going in, so, you, you know, it's like the first time hunting that year. You don't plan for certain things. Um, so I'm texting my buddy, it's, it's 78 degrees, I'm sweating my ass off, I forgot my Ozonics. Uh, I don't have my Ozonics in the tree. I grabbed the wrong quiver. It's, I was like, and I had a back, funny, I had a backup release in my bag. Thank God. Uh, So everything went wrong. Everything that could go wrong went wrong that day. And I text my buddy and I said, dude, this is a complete waste of time. Uh, I'm wasting a hunt day that she might be mad at for a day. I'm not going to see any deer. And he said, stick it out. Those usually make for the best stories. That was eight minutes before I killed this buck
0: oh my lord so <laughs> so how long yeah. were you in the tree stand before he showed up
1: so I got in there really late at like 4 45 I finally got up got set got my another thing I forgot my bow hook so I was holding my bow in the climbing stand the entire time um so it was probably an hour and a half that I had been in and not seen one deer I blew the field coming in yeah <laughs> three days de- Blew the field coming in. That was another thing that added to it. Um, climbed up, probably sat for an hour, and then uh, two bucks showed up from an area that I had not thought they were going to come from. And then I was freaking out that the wind was wrong from from where that I, where I was hunting. And about ten minutes after that, a three and a half year old started just working this, uh, working this scrape and rub, and hitting it pretty hard. And um, r- which is weird. Right after that, I heard thrashing through the woods i mean it sounded like something was moving with a purpose um came right over the creek bed and i saw the tip of his antlers and i knew it was him and uh panic set in not panic but just i was shaking like i've never thought i could shake before and did he he
0: come right to that acorn tree like he'd done it 10 days in a row and he was ready to you know yeah yeah. he did he did he
1: did, but I I really think that that three and a half year old buck hitting that rub uh, worked in my advantage. It was almost like he was saying, "Hey, that's that's my acorn tree. This is my territory." He came in pissed off, oh, wow. uh, very aggressive. Came over top of that creek bed, very aggressive. Came right into that, right into that little uh, set. Of, there's like four white oaks right there that were hitting pretty hard. That's right where he came into. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: So as as he's you know, you know foreshadowing tells us earlier Mm -hmm. in this he came in fast and hard you didn't really have Mm -hmm. time to get all jacked up i mean you did but right yep what what happened in that 30 seconds from the time you saw him to the time you ended up letting an arrow fly so
1: i was like i said i forgot my bow holder or my hanger so i was holding my bow which probably worked out in my my favor because it didn't have that that extra movement i didn't really have that great a cover um So I stood up when I saw him getting behind a tree that was big enough for me to stand up. So I stood up and drew, um, way prematurely. Uh, This this deer was probably 70 yards out. But um, like I said, I was kind of panicking. He was probably 70 yards out over the creek bed. Um, He came and stopped at what I had shot a tree at at 52. And I would never take a 52 yard shot. I just shoot it in my backyard all the time. It's just not, not on that deer. It's not the one you take. And, um, he just kind of hung out for a second and then he started to move. He moved to about 46 turned and ran away back towards the Creek. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, this, he's gone. It's, it's a done deal. Um, then probably 10 minutes passed and I hear thrashing again, probably 20 yards up from where I'd seen him on that tree. Um, and then sure enough, he comes stepping over that Creek bed again and right back to that acorn tree. Stops at probably I called him at forty two call stopped him at forty two yards and um and I, normally, if you'd have asked me ten days before that, would you shoot that buck at forty two and I'd say absolutely not, but because of that the fact that he had already turned and I shoot so consistently at forty to forty five and I know that's my i'm i'm good i'm golden in that range um he stopped and uh I let it fly, and he was quartering away. And I hit him right in that pocket behind the shoulder blade, and uh, got a complete pass, and went through the shoulder on the other side, and double lunged him.
0: So, you let the arrow go. What was your thought process at that point? I mean, did did <laughs> did the quote unquote holy shit set in, or like were you shaken? Talk to that's, us about what happened after you knew you hit him.
1: So that's the funny thing. My, uh, I called my buddy Dustin. Well, first off, I told you I, I grabbed the wrong quiver. And then another backstory to this, this is the, I just bought a new bow on Wednesday. I killed this deer on Friday. I had probably 150 arrows through this new bow. This is a bow that's set up for me. It was my first real purchase of a bow. I went hard on it and I I knew what I wanted. I bought it. Um, So I grabbed the wrong quiver for this new bow and it didn't have a lighted knock on it. And uh, I know you shoot, you shoot a fixed blade, correct? I do. Yes. Okay, so I've been shooting mechanical up to this point, but I had fixed blades in my quiver for like follow up shots on does just in case I needed it. Um, and I grabbed one without a lighted knock and a fixed blade.
0: And uh,
1: when I, everything that could go wrong went wrong that day. And, um, but I mean, turn worked right. But I shot him and he kind of didn't take off right away. The other bucks ran away right away. He kind of looked around for a second and then his tail went down. And he ran over the creek, a pretty steep creek bed. And I thought I heard a crash, but not really. I call my buddy Dustin and I say, holy shit, Dustin, I shot him. I, I, I know I smoked him. I know I smoked him. Like, it's the, it's him. And he's freaking out like, oh, my God, I'll, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I'm coming right now. I don't, I'm at dinner with my mom. I'll tell her she's got to take a rain check. I'm on my way. Because he, uh, he had seen the trail camera pictures of it. And he's like, whatever you do, don't go in there. Leave him, leave him be. Let him die. Um. Then I go over to the spot of impact, which is, you know, 40 yards from where I was set up and I don't see any blood and I, and I don't see my, my arrow and, you know, normally shooting lighted knocks, I can follow those knocks pretty good and and determine if I got a shot. And this is also kind of out of the normal range of where I shoot. So I called Dustin back and I said, Dustin, there's no blood. I think I missed dude. I think I missed. He made it over that creek bed. I think I missed him. And he's saying, Oh my God, no. You, how did how did you miss blah, blah. and then the panic starts to set in and I'm like I think I just missed this deer and uh and he's like all right but just look for the arrow and don't don't go in there and uh I still can't find the arrow I walk up about probably 20 yards which I really hindsight should not have done but I was just guessing if if, if I hit him or not and uh, I just see a puddle of blood right before the creek bed, and I called Dustin back, and I'm like, Dustin, he's, I, I'm telling you, he's down. I, that had to be the crash that I heard. It, there's blood everywhere, and um, so it was a, it was a roller coaster, man. It was definitely a roller coaster of emotions.
0: So you you follow the blood. Long story short, you follow the blood. Yep. You find the deer. It was a good hit, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was a really, really good shot. Um, okay. Like I guess I ran away, went straight through, and yeah, we, my buddy Dustin shows up. We follow the blood, and he couldn't have been more than forty yards from where I shot him.
0: Nice, nice. Then you yeah. you bend over, you touch his antlers, and you pick up his head for the first time. What what kind of thoughts were going through your brain at this point?
1: Holy shit! I can't,
0: believe, <laughs> I cannot believe one that this hunt worked. Two, that I am this
1: lucky to have my hands on this kind of animal right now it other than my wedding day <laughs> it was the greatest day of my life easily easily yeah. the greatest of my life holding that deer and just I, I couldn't and my buddy who's been hunting for 10 12 years in the southern end of the county or the state that just they they I mean the Maryland state yeah. record was shot there last year 10, 10 miles from from his farm and, uh, he was like a 260 inch deer and, uh, that guy shot some pig deer and he was like, holy shit, Jimmy, I one, I hate you because yeah. that shouldn't happen 2 I'm so happy for you. That is the most amazing deer I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so then my next question, my next question is for some of these people. And typically this happens with kids, right? A kid mm-hmm. who is, I'm going to say between, oh 16 and younger or something like that they kill a slob right they kill a boon and crockett animal they 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 kill a a a giant giant buck i wonder what like what is your goal is your goal to continue to because literally there's not much up from shooting a boon and crockett eight pointer right i mean yes you can continue to shoot these caliber of deer if you have great property but there's going to be years where these kind of deer just don't exist so yeah. what has been your thought process about killing your very first buck ever making it a Boone and Crockett <laughs> it um
1: i i'm very thankful and i do realize yeah. that i i'd say this to my i told this to my buddy i was like this is this is the pinnacle of of bow hunting man this is this is what when I first started you know deciding that you know you said you'd have this moment too That this is what I wanted to do I I didn't think it was gonna come together like this um, for one and I didn't think it was gonna come together this season I didn't think it was gonna be me Um, from this point forward I'd say you know even this year I don't really have anything other than that buck that I would sent you the picture of that I'd seen one one or two times last year um i don't really have anything that's even close to that caliber probably in the next two years i'm not going to have yeah. anything that's second that um i got a lot of three and a half year olds maybe a four and a half year old that that could have some potential but nothing nothing like this and i'm you know i'm fine with it i think that the satisfaction i got from that deer is worth every second of the weight that'll go into the next two to three years waiting for another one to get that big
0: absolutely absolutely and well like, a, the, the challenge is the challenge is what does it, man? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, Jimmy, man, I th- thank you very much for uh, hopping on and uh, um, you know sharing this story with us, talking to us about Maryland and whatnot. But uh, Maryland's a multiple buck state, right? So just because yeah. you shot this deer early, you can still continue to hunt the rest of uh, this season, right? Right,
1: that's correct. We get a um, we get a, a buck for archery. And then you get a bonus buck stamp. So if you kill two doe, you get another buck. And then muzzleloader just came in on Friday. So you get muzzleloader from Friday to Saturday. And then another couple of splits of that, two to two to three day splits. You can take a buck with that. And then you have your shotgun season, which is the week after Thanksgiving. And then one more late season. So theoretically, you can take four bucks with your bow. Because I, I don't gun hunt. I only like bow hunt even during those seasons. Um, theoretically, you could take four bucks. <laughs> four bucks uh, throughout the throughout the
0: season which is in my opinion absolutely ridiculous but yeah you can yeah. well i tell you what congratulations on this giant uh and then uh good luck the rest of the season man thanks man love the show and i appreciate you having me on another podcast in the record books huge shout out to jimmy for coming on the show and uh sharing the story of an absolutely gorgeous buck Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Wasp, Ozonics, Deer Lab, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Gearhead, Ripcord, and Bighorn Outfitters. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast, and now you guys who are listening, go out and support those companies. Other than that, I'm not going to say too terribly much in this podcast, because I am uh, tired, and I'm going to go to bed and uh wear your safety harness check me out on facebook and twitter and instagram keep it out for the sportsman's nation podcast network uh leave a review on itunes uh bu- 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 that's it uh if you're gonna be in the woods wear your damn safety harness have a good weekend